This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Queen delivers this teaching entitled, Let Go. This is the third message in the series, Double Dog Dare Part Do. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. Rules of the Double Dog Dare. Listen closely. It begins with two opposing sides. Side one presents a seemingly insurmountable challenge known as a dare to side two. This dare is riddled with abounding risk, oftentimes with severe physical and social implications. When challenged, side two must accept or refuse the dare presented. Refusing is equally, if not more, detrimental to one's social standing than actually accepting the dare and failing miserably. If side two reluctantly declines the dare, then of course the challenger is forced to raise the stakes and extend the ultimate requisition, the double dog dare. Everything is on the line. Risk it all and walk proudly in achievement, or lose and walk home with your tail between your legs. Only you can decide. Welcome to 12 Stone. Rise up. There we go. We got it. All right. Countdown is on. But uh, we're just going to have a special prayer time for you and just. Uh, Good. Well, it's good. Well, excited that we're here. Week three of the series, Double Dog Dare. And for the past few weeks and for the month of January, we're encouraging you, we're encouraging us to push forward, for us to take hold, for us to, for us to, we're daring as a church to, to go after the better life that God has for us. And if you're going after the better life, inevitably God's going to make it about your character because your character is the core of who you are. And, and that's why PK said, he said, it's impossible to have a flourishing life with a floundering character. And so we want to we go after character in the series. And the first week, PK, he's been giving us these, these one word challenges. And the first week, it was to push. And the second week, it was to churn. If you missed those, go back and listen online. You want to get those messages. But today, um, I, I was unable to whittle down the title of the talk or the one word challenge to one word. So you got two. It's Bible and get one free today. So... The words today are the words let go. So we're going to be talking about is letting go. And so there are two words are let go. You can go ahead and put that in your notes. And man, it's hard to let go. It's a challenge for us to let go. It reminds me of the story of the man who's walking along and he falls off a cliff and he's fallen to his death. And he reaches out miraculously. He grabs hold of a branch and hanging there, dangling in the air, he, he yells out, hello, is anybody up there? And a voice says, yes. And he said, who are you? And the voice said, this is God. And I'm here to save you. And the man's elated. He's overjoyed. And he said, that's wonderful. He said, what should I do? And the voice says, let go. <laughs> is anybody else up there? <laughs> right? Because it's hard to let go. See, letting go is an act of trust. It's hard to let go. And maybe what's holding you back this year, maybe what's holding you back, maybe you haven't thought about this, but perhaps the thing that's holding you back this year is not something that you lack. It's not a lack of discipline or a lack of determination. It's not a lack of education or a degree. It's not a lack of information or a skill set. Perhaps the thing that's holding you back in life and relationships is the thing that you're holding on to. And maybe the reason God has you here today is that you would let go. 
Now, I don't know what he's calling you to let go, but maybe it's to let go of a destructive habit or a toxic relationship. Maybe it's to, maybe it's to let go of always having to be right <laughs> or defending yourself or always having to have the last word. Maybe, maybe it's to let go of bitterness or to let go of a grudge. Maybe it's to let go of pride or of ego or of reputation. Letting go is hard because it's an act of trust. It reminds me of a story that Henry Nouwen talked about, about the Flying Rodleys. And they were a trapeze troupe. Henry Nouwen's an author, a theologian. And he writes about the Flying Rodleys, this trapeze troupe that he grew to be friends with. And he said that, uh, he said as he traveled around with them, he had a conversation with Rodley, who was the star of the show. And in talking with him, he said, tell me about the trapeze. And Rodley said, well, the trapeze involves two people. It involves the flyer and the catcher. He said, people always think that I'm the star of the show because I'm the flyer. He said, but I'm not the star of the show. Joe is the star of the show because he's the catcher. He said, it's always the flyer's job to fly and the catcher's job to catch. He said, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. It's the catcher's job to catch the flyer. But when you let go, it's an act of trust that the catcher will catch you. I thought, man, what a great picture of letting go. What a great picture of faith. What a great, great picture of what happens when we let go. And here's the deal. If you want to grow, and if you're taking notes, here's a challenge for the day. If you want to grow, you got to learn to let go. If you want to grow in character, you got to learn to let go. If you want to grow spiritually, you got to learn to let go. If you want to grow in faith, you got to learn to let go. And when you read through the scripture, you see that this constant story, this constant narrative throughout the Bible is God calling people to let go. He said, Noah, he said, I want you, I want you, you got your reputation, but I want you to let it go. I want you to let go of what other people think about you. I'm asking you to do something crazy and people are going people to judge you and they're going to ridicule you, but you're going to have to let go of your reputation Will you let it go. He said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave your, your, your familiar circumstances. I want you to leave your culture. I want you to leave everything that you've known and I want you to go to a distant land and I'm not telling you where to go, but I'll tell you when you get there. I just want you to go. So Abraham, will you let go? And Moses, I'm calling you to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet, and I want you to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, and I'm going to use you to set my people free. But Moses, you're going to have to lay down your fear of inadequacy. You're going to have to lay down your excuses. You're going to have to lay down your insecurities. Will you let them go? Ruth, I know you've been through pain, and I know you've experienced great loss, but Ruth, I'm not going to waste a moment of your pain, and I have something new for you, a new destiny for you, but Ruth, will you let go? Jesus comes to a woman who's been caught in adultery. He says, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. But it's going to mean that you leave that relationship that dishonors God. Will you let go? Jesus comes to a rich young ruler and he says, I want you to follow me. But you're going to need to sell everything and give it to the poor and come and follow me. Will you let go of that chokehold that greed has on your heart, will you, will you let go? He says to James and John, two fishermen that are fishing with their dad in the family business, he says, will you drop your nets and come follow me? Will you let go? And every time I read that story, I think of back when I was 22. I just graduated from the University of Georgia and I was working with my dad in the family business and we were already having conversations a few months in about one day him grooming me to 
to take over the family business. And I remember as I had been in the company for a couple months and I was out west on a business trip, I remember being out there and just being torn. I remember, I remember just this internal dissonance because, because I knew what his dreams were for me, but I also knew the call. I had a sense of the call that God had on my life to be a pastor. Now, let me just put a disclaimer. I believe that God calls every believer to be in ministry. Some he calls to be in ministry in business and some he calls to be in ministry in marketplace. Some he calls to be in ministry in education, whatever your career is. He calls you to be in ministry. But then there's some that God calls to be in ministry in the local church. And I just knew, I knew that's what God had placed in my heart. But I knew what I had to do. I had to let go. I had to let go of the family business, had to let go of the promise of that career, had to let go of the the lucrative career. I had to let go of, of disappointing my dad. And man, I was torn. I remember sleepless nights and just prayer. And God, you got to give me courage for this. And I got home from that trip and I worked up the conversation. You ever had a conversation in your head before you have the conversation? If you've ever been a teenager, you've had a conversation in your head before you have the conversation. I remember I get, I get home and I get to the office that day. And I walk in, I go into my dad's office first thing. I say, Dad, we need to talk. And I went and sat down in the chair. I said, Dad, we need to talk. I almost fell out of the chair. I said, Dad, we need to talk. And he said, uh, he said, well, he said, I've got to make a phone call. He said, can I, uh, can I come to your office? And so now the, the, the script has flipped. And now my dad is in, the, is in the tiny little chair. And I'm sitting in the comfy chair behind the desk. And my dad comes in. And my palms were sweaty. And mouth is dry. I mustered up every bit of courage that I had. And I said, Dad, I said, I can't do it. I said, I can't do the family business. I said, Dad, I need to go be a pastor. I just believe you guys called me to be a pastor. And I'll never forget what happened next. My dad got up from where he was sitting and he walked around the desk. And he came over and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, I bless you. And that was a defining moment in my life. And, 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 but the thing about it is, at the time, I had no idea what would happen next. I didn't know what his response would be. It was... It was, it was arms held out, right? I don't know what's going to happen. And it's amazing to look 17 years later and to see what God has done. See, when you let go, you don't know the rest of the story. You don't know what God's going to do. 17 years later, I had no idea that I'd have the privilege of being on staff here at 12 Stone to see what God has done here in this community. Seven, 17 years ago, I had no idea that my brother, my younger brother, would now be the president of the company. So my younger brother is leading the company and he's doing a phenomenal job and he's younger and smarter and better looking than I am. I'm just kidding about the better looking part, but he is younger and smarter and a great leader doing a phenomenal job. I'm so proud of him. I had no idea what God would do. Listen, you have no idea what God will do on the other side of letting go. But when you're letting go, you feel vulnerable, don't you? I mean, you feel like you're out there on the trapeze and you're like, and you're looking down and you're like, there's not a net here. There's no net, and the temptation is that your arms and legs start flailing. <laughs> but if you're going to be the flyer, you've got to extend out here like, believe it, I'm going to be caught. And so sometimes you'll look over and worship, and you'll see somebody with their hand up. Maybe you look down and saw somebody with your hand up today. Maybe you're new to this, and you're like, why is their hand up? Do they have a question down front on row three? What's going on? <laughs> or maybe you look down over here, and you saw somebody with both hands in the air just going after it, both hands, and you're like, what's the deal? Why are their hands up? I don't know all of what's going on in their life, but maybe with everything that's going on in their life, they're saying, God, 
I feel vulnerable right now, and I don't know how this is all going to turn out with all of that overwhelms me. God, I am overwhelming it with the truth and the belief of your promises and who you are and what you say you're going to do. And so, God, I'm extending my hands, and I'm just trusting you right now. And so maybe that's an expression of the faith that's deep inside. But, but letting go and extending your hands is a vulnerable place to be. Letting go is an act of trust. But listen, if you want to grow, if you want to grow, you've got to learn to let go. Perhaps the thing that's holding you back in life is the thing that you're holding on to. And so today I want to dare you with four things that we need to let go. From Ephesians chapter 4. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. In the Worship Center Bible, it's going to be page 1176. You can turn there with me, 1176 in the Worship Center Bible. If you've got a mobile device and you're on, you're on your phone with the Bible app, you can go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 22. You can go to, go to that chapter. If you don't have a Bible of your own out of guest services, you can grab one on your way out. We'd love to put a copy of the scriptures in your hands. You can take home with you. Ephesians 4. And as we go through these four things, listen, I don't know that you struggle with all four of these, but it would be courageous for you today to say, God, would you reveal to me the one that I struggle with, the one where I need to release? Maybe there's more than one, but just ask him to reveal the one thing that's holding you back that you need to let go of. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. This is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's, he's urging them, he's calling them he's to dare daring them to, to let go of some things so they can move forward as a church. Verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's your character. So what, he, what he's saying is when you came to Christ, when you trusted in Christ, you had an old way of life that you, that you gave to him, that you surrendered, and he made you new, that you were made new in that surrender to him. And he's saying, take hold of the old life, but in order for you to take hold, I mean, take hold of the new life, but in order for you to take hold of the new life, you got to let go of the old life. There's some things that you have to let go of. And one of these things he's saying, I, I believe one of the things that's hard to let go of, and he's saying it's in the attitude of your mind where this begins. He said, one of, one of these attitudes that I believe we have a hard time letting go of is letting go of control. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Let go of control. We got to learn to let go of control. And really, it's an illusion of control. But to surrender control. What letting go of control means, it means it's the willful acknowledgement that there is a God and you are not him. He's saying there's a God and I'm not him. It's acknowledging that you are not in control. Let's draw a diagram. Let's go over to the board. And here's what I'd like for us to do. We'll call this the circle of control. You can draw a circle. You can do this in your notes. We can follow along and you can draw a circle. And in that circle, you can write your name. Don't write my name unless your name's Kevin, but write, write your name. And then what I want you to see is that this is the one thing you can control. Everything else is outside of this circle. Everything else outside of the circle are the things you can't control. Outside of your circle of control is I-85. You can't control. <laughs> the weather, out of your control. Washington, out of your control. Your hairline, 
out of your control. UGA football, out of your control. Other people, out of your control. Outside of your, and I wonder how much of our life we waste worrying about things that are outside of our control. And what this diagram should teach you is that there is one thing in your circle of control and that's you. So there's only one thing you can control and that's you on a good day. And Jesus says, I'll tell you what you do with that circle of control. He tells us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, he says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life up for me, you will find it. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, if you try to control your life, you won't find it. But if you will surrender that circle of control, there's only one thing you have control over and that's you. And Jesus is saying, I want you to surrender that to me. And if you'll surrender your life to me, not only, not only will you find yourself, but more importantly, you'll find God. And in finding God, you find who you were created to be, but it, it happens through surrender. Jesus said, if any man or woman would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, I want your circle of control. And the only thing you have is that circle of control, just you. And you're saying, Jesus, so what you're telling me is you got everything else, Jesus, and you're telling me you still want my one thing that I have control over. And Jesus is saying, yeah. And you're saying, who do you think you are, God? And you say, yeah. <laughs> Jesus made you and he formed you and he made you for himself. And the only way to find who you were created to be is through surrendering your life to him. Listen, character transformation doesn't happen through self-improvement. It happens through surrender. Your life is God's project, not your own. And when you surrender to him, you find the work that he created you for. You find who you were created to be. You find the character that he made. That's the only way character transformation happens is through surrender. And surrender is not like some passive, indifferent deal where we just sit back apathetically. No, Sur listen, surrender is an everyday clinging to him. It's sometimes painful obedience to him. It's saying yes to him. It's planning. It's prayer. It's praying. It's preparing. It's dreaming. It's going out. It's taking initiative. Listen, you are a powerful force in the world. You are a powerful creative force in the world. You're just not in control. <laughs> and when we surrender to him, we find what he's, the transformation, his righteousness, his, we find that we're made more and more like Jesus, but it's only through surrender. And man, we spend so much of our life trying to be in control, trying to control other people trying to control other people and trying to control situations and trying to control circumstances. You have influence, but you're not in control. And when we, when we <laughs> have you ever seen somebody try to control something that they have no control over? I mean, they look crazy. On Friday night, I went with my family. We went bowling and we're not very good, <laughs> but we all have something in common. Once that ball is released, we all do this. I mean, my wife, myself, all our kids, they're all leaning. I mean, listen, it doesn't matter how much yoga you do on lane three. Once that ball is released from your hands, you're not changing where that ball goes. And that's what we look like in life when we try to control things we have no control over. But God wants us to, wants us to live in a place of surrender. 
And say, God, I just surrender to you. I surrender that person to you. I surrender the situation to you. I surrender circumstances to you. I surrender this challenge to you. God, I surrender it to you. I surrender my life to you. Let me ask you a question. What's the the one area right now that you're trying to exert control that you have no control over? And if we want to learn to grow in peace, we have to learn to let go. If we want to grow, we got to learn to let go. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Paul says, let go of falsehood. If you're taking notes, let go of deception. Let go of deception. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever told a lie? Just raise your hand. If your hand's not up, welcome to the club. Because we all, we all have lied. We all have deceived. Something we all have in common in this room. In fact, the, the most famous story of, of lying, of not lying in American history is the story of George Washington. When he was a boy, his father came to him and said, George, you know anything about this cherry tree that got cut down? And George says... I cut down the cherry tree, for I cannot tell a lie. You know, the interesting thing about that story, it was written in the 19th century by Pearson Weems, and that story was actually fabricated. So the most famous story about not lying in American history was actually a lie. (laughs) We all struggle with deception. Listen, you can deceive other people, you can deceive yourself, but there's one person you can't deceive, and it's God. And we deceive ourselves to think that our deception doesn't cost us, but then we see in other people's lives how it costs them. It destroys relationships. It damages marriages. It tears teams apart. It breaks down business. It rips small groups and churches apart. Deception costs greatly. In fact, next week, I'm excited. Pastor Kevin's going to be back, and he's going to be teaching on... um, on having a life that counts and being a person that other people could count on. It's something God wants to form in our character. And you're going to want to be here next week for that in this Double Dog Dare series. But maybe today what you need to let go of is let go of deception. Maybe there are some patterns of deception in your life. And listen, if you're hiding, then you can't know the healing that God wants to bring to your heart. Maybe it's to let go and to be truthful and bring confession. Let go of deception. Because see, our words matter. What you say matters. Look at verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He's saying there is great benefit in our lives to having someone who speaks truthful to us. There is benefit in our lives having other people build us up and cheer us on and encourage us. We all need people who are encouraging us. One of, my great, one of my favorite pictures from 2016, as I look back through Instagram over this past year, one of my favorite pictures comes from uh, the Double Dog Dare 5K. And, uh, and my daughter Camden was running the race. And, uh, and this is, let me show you a picture. This is Ben Schomburg, one of our middle school volunteers. And he's running alongside her as she runs. And Ben slowed down. He sacrificed his time in the race to slow down and to cheer her on. And he's just, you see him, he's just, he's just coaching her up. He's just cheering her on. And she is smiling ear to ear. 
And I thought, what a beautiful picture of what our student ministry volunteers do week in and week out. They sacrifice their time. They give up their time so that they can come alongside the next generation and encourage them in some of the most transitional and critical years in their lives and encourage them to keep running, keep chasing. I know you're tired. It is worthy. Keep pursuing. It's powerful, that encouragement. But listen, it's not just sixth grade girls who need encouragement. We all need encouragement. Encouragement is one of those things that you can never get enough of. You know, I've never had somebody come to me and say, Kevin, could you just hold off on encourage me? I've just had enough. (laughs) See, we all need encouragement in our lives. You know what? We need balcony people in our lives. We need the people who will go up on the balcony and cheer us on and say, man, keep going. Don't give up. Go after it. They build us up. They give us words of encouragement. We need those people. You know why we need balcony people in our lives? Because we all have basement people in our lives. If balcony people build us up, basement people tear us down. If balcony people pour into us, basement people drain us. If balcony people are inspiration, basement people are (laughs) suck the life out of us. Man, we need balcony people in our lives because we have basement people in our lives. And maybe what's holding you back this year is a basement person that you're holding on to. If you're taking notes... Maybe what God would say to you today is you need to let go. You need to let go of somebody. You need to let go of someone. Maybe there's a person in your life, a relationship that you need to let go of. It's a destructive relationship. Maybe there's an abusive relationship. Maybe there's a toxic friendship that you need to, you need to let go of. Maybe the thing that's holding you back is actually a person that you're holding on to. I'd encourage you, do a relationship audit. See how many basement people you have in your life and see how many balcony people you have in your life. And I talk to people so many times that are holding on to a relationship that's holding them back. You know why? Because because they're afraid. And they're afraid of being alone. And they're afraid if they let go of this damaging relationship that they'll be all by themselves. But maybe what you'll find, I believe what you'll find is when you let go, then God can meet that need in a substantial and healthy way. But sometimes in order for us to take hold, we've got to let go. Now, if you're married, don't let go. (laughs) Unless it's abusive, don't let go. Your job is to cling. And I want to encourage you, go home and become the biggest encourager. If you you will apply this in your marriage, you'll see God bring transformation. Your words matter more. Be an encourager. Cheer on. Maybe it's been a long time since you've built up. Maybe there's been a lot of tearing down. And today, say, God, by your grace, I'm going to let go of the old ways. And I'm going to bring in the new ways. Lord, would you help me be an encourager at home? And watch God bring transformation to that relationship. He would love to breathe new life in. And this is a beautiful season for us as a church. Man, never has it been easier than it is right now for people to join a small group. We're we're moving into a season and we've worked hard as a church to to create ways for you to get into a small group in this season. In small groups, what small groups are all about is there's a group of people gathering together and say, we're going to cheer one another on. We're going to open up the scriptures. We're going to pray together. We're going to build relationships. We're going to have community, authentic community, and we're going to encourage one another. And so for some of you, this is a season where God's calling you to let go of some destructive relationships and take hold of some healthy relationships. And small groups are a way to be connected, to be connected in whole, whole and healthy relationships. 
And so sometimes you have to take, let go. To have authentic community, you've got to let go of what's destructive. Maybe the, maybe the thing God's calling you to do today is to delete somebody from your contacts on your phone. It'd be the most sacred deleting of a contact ever in your life. But it could be breakthrough. Because if you want to grow, you've got to learn to let go. And letting go of people is hard. But there's one area where I believe it's harder. Look with me at verse 31. It says, get rid of all bitterness. Let go of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. If you're taking notes, the last thing to let go of is bitterness. Let go of bitterness. We live in a fallen world where people hurt people. And sometimes the relationships that are closest to us, the people who are the closest can hurt us the most. And there is deep wounding and deep pain that can come from relationships. And we all know that. And Jesus knew it too. In fact, he had 12 disciples that he invested his life in for three years, poured his heart into them. And one of them betrayed him, one of them denied him. And in his hour of his greatest need, all 12 deserted from him, just abandonment, left him all by himself. But he knew about forgiveness too. I mean, hanging on that cross, he was hanging on the cross, nails in his feet and his hands. The executors, the people who, who nailed him to that tree are down below him and they're casting lots. They're, they're gambling for the robe that they stripped off his back before they beat him. And looking down upon them, and those who put him on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They didn't apologize to him. They didn't say they were sorry. They didn't seek that forgiveness. Jesus just gave it. Never in the heart of a person has there ever been such forgiveness. And we see at the cross that forgiveness is costly. But I believe there's only one thing that costs more than forgiveness. And that's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will cost you. I was running at the park and I'm, I'm running through the trails. I love running the trails at the park and, and I'm running up this hill and I look and I see where they've cut down this tree and I look over and they've cut down this tree and at the base of this tree is like three feet wide, two, three feet wide. And at the base, it's hollow all in the center. And so they cut down this tree and it's just, they've cut it up into pieces and I'm looking at this because I'm looking for any reason to stop running and I'm looking at this and I'm... I'm thinking, that's crazy. I mean, the tree looks great on the outside, but inside it's hollow. And as I'm thinking about that and thinking about this message, thinking about you, this picture, this word picture of that's what bitterness does to the human heart. When you hold on to a grudge, it begins to hold on to you and it begins to erode your capacity to love and to be loved, to trust other people and to be trustworthy. It erodes at your compassion, your ability to feel compassion. You're easily offended by other people. When you hold on to that bitterness, you find that it tears your heart out. And as I'm looking at this tree, I keep looking up and I notice where some branches have fallen. And the branches that have fallen, I'm looking at them and I'm realizing that, you know what? The branches are hollow too. All the way through. I'm, I'm going... It's so true. 
Even the branches are hollow. And here's what I want you to see is that unaddressed bitterness and unforgiveness does not just affect you at the base of your life. It goes to the next generation. If we have unaddressed bitterness that we're holding on to, we hand that off to the next generation. Unforgiveness costs us. Bitterness costs us. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, man, I've got to get this tree to you. I've got to get this branch to you. I'm like, there's only one way for me to get it to you. I've got to carry it. And so I pick it up and it's heavy and I'm running through the woods and I'm feeling like Rocky. Man, I am. I'm like training to fight the Russian, man. I'm like, this is Drago. I'm coming for you. I've got this thing and I'm, I'm running through the woods. And as I'm going, I'm like, I'm carrying it. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. And I lifted it up like that. And there was a piece of the bark that came off and hit me in the eye. It like got in my eyes. So now I'm running. I got, and I'm like Popeye, man, coming through the woods, carrying this thing. Forearms just worn out. And I'm carrying, I'm like, man, I'm doing it for the Lord. You know, like in the Old Testament, God would tell prophets, like, I want you to take this physical symbol, this demonstration in order to reveal this truth. And I'm like, man, I'm like a prophet, man. I'm like a prophet going after it. And then I realized that um, other people who were looking at me running, carrying this thing, they didn't think I was a prophet. They thought I was pathetic, right? I'm carrying this. I didn't think I looked like Rocky. I did not look cool to them. They were like, there was an old lady. I'm sorry. She was, there was a, 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 a There was a woman who had more years than me, and she, <laughs> she, she saw me carrying this thing. I must look like I was having a hard time because she said, hey, you can put that on my shoulder, and we'll carry it together. I said, no, I'm going to carry my tree. <laughs> and I carry it like a mile. I mean, a mile to get this to you. But as I was carrying it, there were other people who were going by me, and they were looking at me, and I could just tell they were like, confused. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why don't you put that down? Like, you don't have to carry that. Maybe that's what God's saying to you today. You've been carrying that too long. It's time for you to just put that down. Because really, you're the one who's suffering. And you're continuing your suffering. And, and if you'll let me help you, I can help you forgive. And I can help you have freedom. And I can help you put that down. And listen, forgiveness is not excusing what they did to you. And forgiveness is not forgetting what they, you may never forget what they did to you. And forgiveness does not mean that everything goes back to how it was before. But what it means is I'm gonna put this down. I'm not gonna carry it anymore. And you don't, you don't owe me anymore. And I'm not, I'm not gonna continue to pick this up. I forgive you. And God wants to help you do that. In fact, if, if you're holding on to unforgiveness, you can begin to pray, God, would you help me forgive? God, would you, would you help me forgive? God, I want to forgive. I want to be free from this. I want to set this down. Would you help me forgive? He would love to help you forgive. And if you're willing to begin to pray that prayer, that means that the great forgiver is already at work in your heart. And see, Paul says, forgive one another just as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. He forgave you quickly and he forgave you fully. But here's the thing about forgiveness. You can't give what you don't have. And so maybe today you need to receive God's forgiveness for you.
And when you receive God's forgiveness for you and you see how much he loves you, you see his grace, his infinite mercy that he's poured out on you. Listen, it is a horrible thing that Jesus had to die for you, but it is a wonderful thing that he saw you worth dying for. And he gave you forgiveness fully and completely when you surrender your life to him, when you say yes to him. Scripture says that he who knew no sin became sin for us in that we might receive the righteousness of Christ. So in that moment, he who knew no sin, he was perfect on the cross, all of your sin, all of your crimes, all of your guilt, all of your shame was placed upon him. And when you place your faith in him, when you trust in him, you receive the righteousness of Christ. What that means is that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see the old man. He sees Christ Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Jesus on you. You've been forgiven. You can let go of that. You don't have to carry it anymore. And when you know that you've been forgiven like that, then you can give forgiveness like that. And God wants it. When you give forgiveness, when you say, God, would you help me forgive? God wants to bring healing to your heart. He fills in. He renews that place in your heart that's hollow. He says, I'll give you a new heart if you just surrender to me. And that's why the cross is at the center of our faith, because it was on the cross that we have salvation. It was on the cross that we find forgiveness. It was on the cross that Jesus hung there and he let go of his life, extended his hands. And he said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He breathed his last breath and then he died. And three days later, he got up and walked out of a tomb to show that the great catcher caught him. And you need to know that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available for you. And his strength is greater than sin and greater than death and greater than anything that hell can throw at you. But you gotta trust him. You gotta trust him. So what's holding you back? What do you need to let go of? Maybe it's control. Maybe today as you say, God, I'm letting go of control. Maybe it's letting go of deception and you're saying, God, I wanna begin to walk in truth. Maybe today you're saying, God, I need to let go of someone and it's painful and it's killing me. That's what you're calling me to do. Maybe today is is to let go of bitterness, let go of unforgiveness, let the great forgiver do a work in your life. But in a after a message like this, in a moment like this, I can't, I can't go on without giving an opportunity for some to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, to surrender their lives to him. Listen, if you've already said yes to Jesus, if you've already begun a relationship with him, then I want you to be praying right now for those who haven't, because this is their moment. This is their time. I mean, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe, maybe you're familiar with the things of God. Maybe, maybe you, you, you were in a religious family, but you've never had a relationship with God. Maybe this is all new for you. And somebody invited you here today and things are making sense. And you're like, that's what I need. I need forgiveness. I want to have that relationship with God. I want to be made right with him. Then I want to invite you today to begin that relationship, to place your trust in him, to surrender to him, to let go of your life and give it to him. And I'm going to invite you in a moment to, to stand up. It's going to be a vulnerable expression. And to go honest, to be honest with what God has done and to give a confession. I mean, it is, it is a public <laughs> surrender. Maybe you've had moments in here. Maybe there's some of you who, who you've had mo- private moments of surrender, but you've never gone public with that surrender. And maybe the reason that doubt and uncertainty about where you stand with God, maybe the reason that that happens is because you've never been public with that. 
It's only been private. And private surrender lacks power. Public surrender is powerful and it's contagious. And so maybe for some today, it's your day to go public that, you know what, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I don't care who knows. (laughs) For others, this may be really intimidating. In a room like this to stand up in a moment, you just, you begin to think of that and your heart starts beating fast through your chest. You know you want a relationship with God, but your heart's beating fast because you're like, what will other people think? Let me tell you, this room full of people, we are for you. There's a room full of people who will celebrate what God's doing in your heart. Best decision you'll ever make. And we'll celebrate for you. If you can't stand in a room like this where people are for you, you're going to have a hard time standing outside of this room where people aren't going to be for you. And there might be some people who make it really hard to stand. But this room, we want you to know we're for you. And so in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to stand. In a moment of public surrender, and it may feel like you're on the trapeze <laughs> and you're letting go. But I want you to know he'll catch you. Scripture says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He'll catch you. And so then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray with you. But I'm wondering today, if this is your day to surrender your life to Jesus, to begin a new life with him, to trust him for forgiveness and say, I want to walk with you. I want to know this relationship with you right now where you're sitting. Would you just stand all across the room? Would you stand and go public with that faith, with that surrender? Courage in here to stand. It's your time. It's your day. It's your time. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Best decision. So good. So good. So good. Anybody else? He said, this is my day. Arms extended. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. you. Listen, if you're close to somebody right now who's standing up, no one stands alone. You come, you put a hand on their shoulder. Would you just, if you're, if you're sitting close to somebody that's standing up, even if you're not, you can just climb over people. Just get close to them. Put your hand on their shoulder saying, we're in solidarity with you. This is the most important decision you're making. You, we're the family of God. You're in the family now. No one stands alone. No one stands alone. And so we're going to whisper a prayer. Maybe you just even whisper a prayer over them and for them. And I want to pray with you and lead you in a moment of prayer. So, Father, we thank you for those who you've given the courage to stand today, those who have gone public and been bold in their declaration of following you, of surrender to you. And so if you stood today, beginning that relationship with God, you can just whisper This prayer, you can repeat after me. Just make it your own. Father, thank you for loving me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I trust you for my forgiveness. Thank you for giving me a new life. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. And so, Father, we pray for those who, you, who you've called. We pray for those who have stood. We pray for those who have responded. And we ask that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would give them strength, that you would encourage them, that they would know that you are for them and that you're at work in their life. And, and God, I pray that they would know 
the courage and the strength that it takes to let go? Would you help them let go of what they need to let go of? And God, more importantly, would they take hold of all that you've given them and that they've received from you, their inheritance from you in Christ Jesus? And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen their faith, give them great boldness, and that you would use their life to to help change, to help transform, to make different the world around them from your work within them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.